regulators. We regulate any stealing of his property. We're damn good, too. But you can't be any geek off the street. Gotta be handy with the steel, if you know what I mean. Earn your keep. Regulators! Mount up. It was a clear black night, a clear white moon. Warmer G was on the streets, trying to consume some skirts for the E. So I could get some phones rolling in my ride, chilling all alone. Just hit the east side of the Welcome in to the Deep Cover Podcast. We are back. We are back. Coming off of a disappointing Ravens loss to the Bengals up there in Cincinnati. But hey, uh, our heads are still high. We're still looking forward. Two games left in this season. Got the Rams coming into town this weekend. So uh, like John Harbaugh always likes to say, we we don't blink. They don't blink. Ravens don't blink. We don't blink from the deep cover. <laughs> so <laughs> our spirits are still high. We're still optimistic. And we're going to get into all of that um, in a few minutes here. But before we do, let me touch base with the fellas as usual. It's good to see both of you guys. Uh, Carrie and Chris, I'll start with you, Carrie. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. Like you said, two games left. Playoffs still, you know, on the table. Um, so, you know, we got a lot to get get to today. So I'm excited to get into it. Absolutely. You play to win the game. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so all of this talk about resting this person, shutting that person down, da 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 da. You play to win the game. Until there are no more games to play, that is what you do. Um, I know, Chris. You feel that way? How you been, man? Yeah, I'm feeling good either way. You know, whether they, they win and go to the playoffs, that's fine with me. Whether they lose and get the 10th pick, that's fine with me too. So I'm just chilling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm chilling. I'm enjoying the ride. Wherever the team goes, that's, you know, I, I'm happy. I'll be happy with whatever whatever outcome it is. But when you love the draft the way that you do, and Kerry too, the way both of you guys love the draft, you you really aren't going to be unhappy either way, like you said. I mean, obviously you want the season to continue and them to have a chance, you know, getting the playoffs because you never know. But if it doesn't work that way, uh, then you you you've already started your draft prep. But then it goes into like full gear at that point, and uh, that's like a season onto itself. Like draft season is it's, it's its whole yeah. other thing just into yeah. itself, uh, which is exciting because it's the it's the unknown. You know, you're looking at all these prospects and you know, evaluating guys, getting to know a little bit about their backgrounds. And um, that part of it is exciting too, but we ain't there yet. So we're not, we're not going <laughs> to call that like it's already happened. Um, we're, we, we decided before we started recording that we don't really need to say nothing about the Bengals game. Everybody knows what happened up there in Cincinnati. Uh, all the guys elevated off the practice squad, guys getting hurt in the game. Uh, Joe Burrow, doing what he did, <laughs> saying what he said. <laughs> hey, tip the cap. Tip the gap. They did what they did yeah. what they were supposed to do. Right. So yep. we give them that and we move on. Um, but focusing back on the Ravens, uh positive news, Patrick McCarty, friend of the show. Never been on the show, but <laughs> we would love to have you on the show, man. We would like to come on. Hey, you just let us know. We'll, we'll, we'll make ourselves better. Hey. I'm, um, I'm willing to say, I doubt there was a, any any podcast that was banging the table for him the way the Deep Cover podcast right. was. <laughs> Especially you. I mean, you you leading the bandwagon. For that. <laughs> <laughs> you you saw the potential and uh, what he could what he could do, and then you know, obviously he he's been putting it on display uh, 
you know, it was 2019 when he had to come in and play center. Times where he's had to play guard, and then this year uh, sliding out the right tackle. And and you know, before he you know started dealing with a couple of injuries, I, I'd argue he's playing right tackle as well as anybody uh, yeah. out there. He had a stretch earlier yeah. where I mean he was rolling. So uh, he gets a, a contract extension. I don't have the specifics in front of me. It's three year deal. Either one of you guys got the number? Yeah, I, I think it's a three year deal. Um, yeah, I, I know it puts him at like about mid tier as far as what right tackles make. I think it was Jesse Davis and Marcus Cannon. I think it puts him right in between them uh, as far as what the, the kind of money he'll be making. So, like like Mike said. The way he was playing, you know, he was definitely playing better than Marcus Cannon and, and Jesse Davis. That's for sure. So the fact that he's going to be sandwiched in between them as far as annual salary is concerned, that's a huge win for the for the team because yeah. he's for sure worth way more than that. And that's not even putting into, taking into account the versatility that, that he has to play all five positions on the line. That's just talking about him as a right tackle. So I, I feel like it was a great, great deal for the team. Totally agree. Totally agree. And I know, Kerry, you're somebody who puts a lot of uh, stock and a lot of value in versatility. And like Chris just said, he literally, he, he not, this is not figuratively. We're not saying he could play all five positions on the line. He has played. Right. <laughs> He's literally done it. <laughs> uh, just, uh, you know, your your thoughts on the deal and, and you know, the value of, of that kind of flexibility with a player. Yeah, I thought it was a great deal. Um, you know, I, I figure at the very least they would tender him and, you know, have him back for the next year, but them to have the foresight to kind of jump out ahead of things and, um, you know, recognizing – that run he had at right tackle to begin the season. Um, like you said, he was going up against some big dogs. You, that Kansas City game, Chris Jones, you know, blocking guys like that and holding up well. Um, so um, it's funny when you look at tackle and the criticism that has come with tackle this year. And, you know, part of it, part of it is rightfully so. But now when you kind of fast forward to 2022, you got Ronnie coming back, hopefully. You got Makari kind of locked in now. Um, you got this David Sharp guy who is kind of intriguing, and, you know, maybe they can bring him back on the cheap. Uh, you know, you got uh, Juwan James who should be healthy and, and ready to go. So all of a sudden, man, a, a tackle position that looks shaky, um, you know, in 2021 could all of a sudden be strong in, in 2022. And then I, I can't go without um, shouting out Chris because – Chris had this way back when we were doing uh, uh, 53 man roster um, show. And I think I had Makari on uh, roster as a backup center. And Chris had looked like he was kind of going short on the offensive line as far as tackles, but he had Makari as a tackle way back before the season even started. And something he said kind of stuck out to me is he says, you know, regardless of where he plays at, he moves like a tackle. And so I went back and kind of looked at it and I looked at the fluidity and just some of the things that he does. And he does. He moves like a tackle like he can play these other spots. But I think that right tackle spot is the highest upside position for him. So for them to lock that in and like you say, slot him in at a mid tier salary for for right tackles, man, that's a that's a huge win for the Ravens. 
Yeah, I, I mean, you Chris called it way back then. Um, you know, we were late to the party, but we he, he brought us along. He drug us along. <laughs> we, finally started, we finally started to see what he saw all along. And I think, you know, you also, I, I know this isn't, you know, necessarily a popular opinion, but I think it also gives you a little bit of a hedge, a little bit of insurance um, on what's going to happen with Bradley Bozeman. Um, again, I, I, I agree with Chris and you that, you know, Makari does look very comfortable out there at tackle. And, you know, you probably like to, to continue to give him that opportunity out there. But in the event that the market, um, you know, sort of prices Bozeman out of, of what the Ravens want to play, at least you know you have a guy who has started games at center for you if you need that. That's not to say that you wouldn't go out and try to acquire another center either through free agency and or the draft or trade, you know, how, however you go about that. But we know how, how the free agency market can be. And, you know, you can just look back at the last couple of deals just for centers. You can look at Frank Ragnow. I'm not saying that it would necessarily be that kind of deal for Bradley Bozer. I mean, Ragnow was a first round pick. I think he was like top 20 or something like that. So, you know, different different kind of player. But you could even look at Corey Lindsley out of the Chargers. And that, that was a pretty good sized deal. I think he had like 17 mil guaranteed. Um, and he was a fifth round pick. So it just depends, you know, and and. Nothing against Bradley Bozeman because, you know, Chris, you made a point earlier in the week that he seems like the kind of guy where, yeah, obviously money matters to these guys, but he also is the kind of guy who wants to be in the right kind of environment for him and his family. And he seems pretty comfortable um, and invested in the in the community here in the Baltimore area. So, you know, he could be one of those guys who are maybe willing to kind of shuffle things around a little bit in terms of contract structure uh, to to remain in a place where he's comfortable. But he also, you know, you don't get these opportunities. You know, we talked about him being in the same O-line room as Ronnie Stanley and looking at what happened to Ronnie in terms of getting his deal and then, you know, having an injury and then, you know, kind of still struggling with it um, a year later. So maybe, you know, Bozeman sees that and is like, man, I better go get this bag because you never know <laughs> when things can take a turn. Uh, so I think that's probably a, a, a secondary kind of way to to look at this maybe even a third way might be even further down the list than second um but congrats to patrick mccarty man guys earned it come in here as a as an undrafted guy and uh harb said it at his press conference today he was like look if you're a young player coming into the league um regardless of your status undrafted drafted whatever look at what patrick mccarty did because he said he did everything perfectly like everything that you're supposed to do as a young player coming in, he said he did it perfectly. So if you're a young guy, look at him, <laughs> do what he did, and you'll have an opportunity to make a roster and, and get some playing time. So he seems like and such also, a when you do when you also, listen to it. Let this let this be a lesson for arm length too. Arm length is not everything when it comes to playing tackle. <laughs> it's not it's not everything. Who <laughs> <laughs> was coming? <laughs> no, like it's like any other tool. It depends on how you use it. You know, our arm That's link right. can be an asset. It's a tool. It can be an asset. Um, but you know, if if you don't necessarily have the prototypical arm length, it doesn't mean that you can't be successful playing tackle. You're just going to do it in a different way than maybe the guys that that have those you know 35, 36 inch arms. And we've seen the flip side. We've seen guys with those kinds of arms not play as well. That kind of arm length. So yeah, it's a tool. And it all comes down to to how you use it. And every player is unique. 
You know, there's a guy on Twitter, I forget his handle now, I want to give him credit, but he always says every player is one of one. Just stop comparing these guys, right? <laughs> every yeah. player is one on one and they have their own unique individual way of accomplishing, you know, whatever they're asked to do. So Patrick McCarry, testament to that. Because yeah, you look at him, you'd say, this guy doesn't look like prototypical tackle. But you watch him play, and you know, he's out there doing more than holding his own. Um, you know, Chris, uh, Kerry mentioned going up against Chris Jones. He went up against Joey Bosa. I mean, he had a couple dudes that he was rolling through there um, before he got injured and, you know, was really playing well against those guys. So good for him. This man. week, this week he'll be going up against a couple other notable guys. Hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Miller, Leonard Floyd. I, we, we're going to get into the to the Rams preview, you know, in a minute here. Um, I'm, I'm I'm getting nervous thinking about it. <laughs> I'm thinking about that. Uh, Aaron interview. Uh, yeah, he was doing his presser this week, and he was talking about the game back in 2019 and how he really didn't kind of play up to his standard. And he said, "Yeah, that's been in the back of my mind for sure." I'm like, "Oh no!" <laughs> Already uh, one of the best we've ever seen. Defense tackle, uh, maybe anywhere on the defensive line. And if he's got a chip on his shoulder coming in, it does not look good for my man Ben Cleveland. But anyway, um, before we get into that, uh, we kind of touched on this a little bit with the you know, you play to win the game, but Ravens playoff chances not dead despite um losing that game to the Bengals and not being able to, to take over first place in the division. Um, and I think currently on the outside looking in, because Miami beat um, the Saints in that – was it a Monday night game? I remember it was Sunday night or Monday yeah. night at this point. Monday night. Um, thank you. So I think the Ravens, as, as a result of that, are kind of on the outside looking in right now. But with these two games to go, and, you know, there's a lot of um, sort of things to be decided in the AFC, not just in the North. Obviously, the teams are all kind of bunched together in the division. But throughout the rest of the AFC, only Kansas City, I think, has locked up uh, their their division in the AFC. NFC is a little more solidified. But AFC, man, there's a lot of different things that can go on these last two weeks. So, uh, Chris, I'll kick it out with you. Um, what do you what do you think, man, about their about their chances? You feeling feeling optimistic about it? Uh, I wouldn't say optimistic. Um, <laughs> I don't think that they're completely dead because just. The way this season has gone, not only for the Ravens, but for the whole league, it's truly been any given Sunday. And I mean, we saw the Bills lose to the Jaguars not too long ago. So I'm not counting the team out yet. Um, would I bet money on it? I would not. But I, I, I'm not writing them off. I'm not going to be so quick to, to write them off because there, so much can happen and it's still COVID. So you know, key players can be be lost within, you know, a day, you know, that you wake up and the morning of and your QB could be, you know, on the COVID mm-hmm. list. So I'm definitely not writing them off. And, uh, you know, I, I just want to see them compete the way that they've been competing this whole year, because that's that's the main thing. It's one thing if you lose and the team just quits. But this team has not quit outside of probably that first Bengals game where it looked like they gave up a bit but even this last game they were still fighting and clawing to the end so 
I just want to see this team compete and and uh, really close out this season strong. Yeah, I I think we've seen that consistently. Like you said, there's there's maybe one game I, I can't even, despite the score in this last Bengals game, I, I can't even say that, um, you know, that was like a we checked out, go on fishing situation. They just, they were so undermanned. Um, that there just wasn't much that you know this is what it was was a knife to a gunfight kind of situation, particularly in the secondary. So out, outside of that first Bengals game, I totally agree with you. That's one thing that we've seen consistently, no matter who's been out there. Um, they fight, they claw, they scrap, they battle. Uh, you know, a lot of these games have come down. You know, you can say come down to the end, but like literally the end, the last play of the game. <laughs> you know, has come down to whether they were going to win or lose. And they tried to win. They always try to win. They're not just going to say, well, let's try to tie the game and see where we go. They've, they've consistently tried to win these games when they had control, when they had the ball. Um, you know, that's a whole other topic. But anyway, Kerry, uh, <laughs> let me let me go over to you. How do you feel about the playoff chances? Remember, like uh, a John Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh dad said, if you you won't always feel enthusiastic, but if you act Enthusiastic. Eventually, you will. I'm giving you that pep talk. How do you feel about their chances? Yeah, I think I'm somewhere where Chris is. Um, the thing I like about this team is is one that they just compete. And they don't make any excuses for any injury, COVID, whatever the case may be. You never see these guys even mention it. They just come out and compete. You saw third, fourth quarter of this Bengals game. They're down big. You still see guys coming through with effort. You know, Tony Jefferson just got back on the squad. He's getting in there, making big time stops, doing these things. So there's that element. And then there's the element of, Throughout all of this, you still see glimpses of greatness in different elements of this team, you know, whether it be the growth of the wide receivers, whether it be even though they're banged up, the offensive line is, is battling through, you know, what they've had to go through and are showing up and protecting the quarterback better. Things like that, they just bode so well for 2022. And I don't want to, like, you know, just get out of the whole 2021 is 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 dead kind of mindset but you know it's just a lot to look forward to um but at the same time you know they have a chance here and you know if they can get eight back and if eight has sat down and kind of learned during his time away from the field some of the things that he needs to kind of have some come to jesus moments about as far as his um, you know decision making and, and, and some of those things He's got the talent to put a team on his back and make a run. And so I think that being in the back of my mind is probably the most exciting thing. Um, you know, how magical would it be if he comes back and, like I said, he, he, he makes some of those adjustments and, you know, he, he just kind of lets his talent shine through. And, you know, this team, you know, say what you want. This is a resilient team. Um, you know, if they can get enough back, you know, from COVID injuries, things of that nature, you know, you give them a puncher's chance with just about anybody. Um, so, uh, you know, that's the one thing I kind of think about is if they can get Lamar back, um, you know, and, and get into the dance, man, anything can happen. 
I think that's why I am optimistic about it. I and mean, maybe that's a that's a more accurate way for me to say it is I'm optimistic about Lamar uh, and what is possible when he's in the game. Now, you know, look, I should probably qualify myself because, you know, it's not looking likely that he's going to play this Sunday. Of course, John Harbaugh says, you know, it's 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 still a possibility. But um, we all saw the video from the Wednesday practice did not look great. Uh, in terms of him, <laughs> his movement. And then uh, he didn't practice uh, Thursday. And I, I think they had a morning practice today. I don't think he practiced this morning. So um, it's not looking great, but you never know. Uh, and so, you know, I, I definitely have seen that sentiment out on Twitter among certain certain people that, hey, maybe he doesn't come back this year at all. I don't know. Uh, but if he does, uh, like you said, if they can find a way to get in the dance, he's the kind of guy that can make magic happen. We've seen it ever since he first, you know, became the starting quarterback back in 2018. He can take things that don't look like uh, they should happen and make them happen. So there's just something about him. Obviously, you know, he has amazing talent, but there's something about his vibe, his energy when he's out there. Everybody believes that, man, we can we can do anything. We literally can come back from any amount. We can do anything yeah. when that guy is back there. Uh, and, you know, they even did some of that with Tyler Huntley. So, I mean, that's just kind of maybe the energy around this team, too. But particularly when, you know, Lamar is there. And shout out to Tony Jefferson. You mentioned it, man. It, it yeah. didn't matter what the score was for that guy. You could see he was so happy to be back out on the field and playing. Yeah. And just, you know, like the guy had a sack. He had a pass deflected. He had a special teams tackle. I mean, my man was just doing it all. And even in his presser, when people are trying to kind of, you know, find negatives and like, oh, you know, what do you, you've been in this league a long time. What do you think about throwing a 50 yard pass, you know, late in the game when you're up big? He's like, hey, I think I had a chance to intercept it. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> what I, if they want to throw the right. ball, chance for us to pick it off and turn it over and give it back to our offense. So, that guy's energy and his mindset, not that they don't have other guys on the team like that. I think Calais Campbell's a guy that's like that. They have other guys. Josh Bynes is like that. But, man, I like having his energy back um, on the team because he was like that when he was here the first time. And it's like maybe even at another level now because, it's you know, the game was kind of taken away from him. Yeah. Energy for a while there. And you could see he was just happy to be out on that field and, and playing again. So shout out, TJ. Uh, friend of the show as well, of course, welcome. You and Patrick, both of y'all can come together, separate, however you want to do it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's let's transition to this Rams preview. Uh, we, we spoke about it a little bit earlier. Obviously, the Rams come in and they're rolling. They're 11 and four. They're six in offense. They're 15th in defense. Uh, I think anybody in the uh, anybody who's a fan of the NFL, even if you're just a Ravens fan, you know what kind of season Cooper Cup is having this man got damn near 2,000 receiving yards, <laughs> like 130 catches. I mean, he is just out there balling, and you know, that's not even uh mentioning Odell, uh, who's who started to get acclimated and comfortable. And I think he's got like four touchdowns in the last six games for them, so he's starting to get comfortable out there. Uh, you know, Stat Pafford, Matt Stafford. Uh, you know, up and down, <laughs> up and down at times, you know what I mean? Obviously, still got one of the, the better arms in the league and can make all the throws still to this day. But uh, he'll, he'll give you some, too. He'll give you some chances. You know, sometimes the decision-making gets a little iffy there for him. 
Um, of course, they got the run game with a variety of dudes. Sony Michelle, Cam, we might see Cam Akers in this game, which is crazy. Um, coming back from an ACL after six months, he he might. Oh, Achilles. Achilles, excuse me, excuse me, Achilles. Even worse. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I was gonna say thank you for correcting me. Um, so that that would be crazy. And then the defense, we touched on that earlier. Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Leonard Floyd, Jalen Ramsey. I mean, just dudes on top of dudes on both sides of the ball. So with all of that, Chris, are you feeling optimistic? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I, I, but I, will, I will go to you first, Chris. Um, going into this game, do you, what's the path to victory? Right. That, that as you see, obviously there there has to be one. You have to at least think that there is one because if not, why else do you play the game? So what, what do you think the Ravens need to do to give themselves a shot in this one? Okay, so there are a few things that are working the Ravens in the Ravens' favor. First of all, they're coming from the West Coast and the game got moved up to a one o'clock game. So historically speaking, that usually favors the East Coast team. Then also there's some rumblings about possible rain mm -hmm. that would also fall into the Ravens favor in my opinion and what they want to do because the Ravens they they're way more comfortable playing in those dirty games than the Rams are Rams are you know indoor team uh very finesse not much of a smash mouth team and I think correct me if I'm wrong Kerry you might know uh Daryl Henderson he's not playing this game right yeah yeah he's out he's out this game yeah. so is Sony Michelle's going to be their their lead guy, and you know Sony Michelle he's had a nice little season uh, backing up Daryl Henderson and even starting when when Henderson's been down, but he's not the kind of back that'll that really scares the Ravens defense. That kind of guy that could just pop one long run. I, I think the Ravens can contain him as far as the run game is concerned. Now, Mike, you mentioned it obviously. Cooper Cup having one of the best wide receiver seasons we've ever seen in the NFL. So obviously he's going to be a problem, but hopefully you have Chris Westry back. Hopefully you have Jimmy Smith back. Uh, hopefully Tavon can play too. So, I mean, that's, that sounds like an all pro squad compared to what they had last week. with uh, playing against Cincinnati. <laughs> so I will take that and, you know, just hopefully they can, Take advantage of those those uh, those uh, weather factors as far as you know, it being a little colder. The you know maybe the rain coming. Hopefully they could take advantage of those and really grind this clock out the way that we saw against the, the Packers. Because what they did was they were like, all right, you know, you got Aaron Rodgers, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, and Devontae Adams. We're just gonna keep you play keep away with you. And I feel like that's the, the the path for victory is just keeping that offense off of the field is your best defense, in my opinion. Totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. Um, if you can keep all of those dudes over there on the sideline watching, sipping on some Gatorade, um, you're feeling pretty good about your chances. Um yeah, hopefully all those DBs can be back. Uh, I know they're off and activated off the COVID list. I don't think I saw anything with those guys not practicing this week. Maybe Tavon. I don't remember if um, if, if he maybe was limited or, or, or just straight up DMP'd. Um, but I don't think I remember seeing anything about Jimmy or Chris Restry. I remember talking to my dad about the guys last week. He was like, who are these guys? He's looking at the numbers. 
Or the girl, he's like, who are these guys? And I'm telling him the names. He's like, that that sounds like a law firm, Worley Jackson and C. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, they are NFL quarterbacks. So um, <laughs> it was a tough spot, tough spot for those guys going up against, you know, the likes of Chase and Higgins and, and Boyd. And doesn't get any easier this week with whoever is out there. We just talked about that. Um, but you also mentioned that Green Bay game, and I, I think that's – that's an interesting point, too, because, you know, I don't know that they'll go to the same extreme that they did in terms of the coverage that they have for Devontae Adams with Cooper Cut, even though, I mean, his numbers are even better than Devontae Adams. So maybe you do. Um, but I think you'll definitely see some of that in the game plan in terms of the, the brackets and the doubles and the cones, whatever you want to call it. And I think it's a little bit I got to be careful about this word because people are going to be like easy. You think it's easy to guard Cooper Cup? I'm not saying it's easy to guard Cooper Cup. The mechanics of executing those double teams are a little easier when a guy lines up in the slot just because of where he is. There are more bodies inside already on defense. And so just mechanically, it can be a little bit um, – I don't want I don't want to say easy because it's not because you still got to do it. it. It can be a little less cumbersome than when a guy lines out, you know, outside the number because there's so much more space out there. And so kind of creating those double teams, it's, it's a little bit more difficult. So, um, you know, I, I think that that kind of maybe works in their favor a little bit. Um, not that Cooper Cup is exclusively in the slot. He's not, but I think he runs like 60-something percent of his points out of the slot and has put up a bunch of numbers uh, out of the slot. So, Kerry, I'll kick it over to you. Uh, what, what do you see as, as kind of the, the path to a victory? How do, how do the Ravens keep this one competitive and, and give themselves a shot? Yeah, I say defensively, man, you kind of got to hope for one of those weird Stafford games. You know, he, he's bound to have them. I believe he had one last week. Um, you kind of got to, you know, hope, hope for that, try to do things early to try to break his rhythm. And, you know, he's a, a rhythm guy. If you can knock him off off kilter, um, you know, you give yourself a chance of, of, of that staying that way for the entire game. Uh, what's so challenging about the Rams is how McVay moves these guys around and gets them so many free releases. It seems like every play he's moving somebody around and, and creating those lanes. So it, it makes it harder to, to key in on guys. Um, as opposed to, you know, the situation like with Green Bay. Green Bay does move Devontae around, um, but he's kind of, kind of more stationary when, once he's where he is, as opposed to these Rams guys. So um, just something to watch for there. Uh, offensively, uh, I want to see what you guys think about this. Ramsey plays out of the slot. You know, he's playing that star position for the um, for the Rams. I mean, with the rampage that Mark Andrews is on, wouldn't it make sense for them to just like just glue him to Mark Andrews, play in and play out? Um, you know, I, I would go into the game anticipating that that would be the case. And so if that's the case, you know, whoever's back there, whether it's Lamar, um, you know, Huntley, uh, just being mindful of that. You know, Andrews has been on the rampage. Linebackers can't run with him. Uh, you know, safeties can, you know, go over the top and, and and keep him from getting the ball. But Ramsey is a different animal, man. He's one of those guys I don't uh, – from a fantasy standpoint, you know, you don't get too much into the individual matchups with most guys. But Ramsey, Jair Alexander, they're of that select few guys that, you know, that guy is going to be 
on your guy. You you're looking at things differently. So it's gonna be interesting to see kind of how they approach that, and you know how they go about um, continuing to kind of construct this quick passing game because you know that man Aaron Donald is is in there in two point five seconds. You know we need to, need to be able to get that ball out, keep the chains moving. Um, but like Chris said, man, some of the factors in this game leads you to think that um, we can see one of those kind of um, my, I had a boy that called him a, a drag him in the hole game, you know, like you get muddy, dirty, drag him in the hole and let's see which team can claw their way out of the hole. You know, this could line up and end up being one of those games. And if that's the case, I think the Ravens have shown over the years uh, that they can win those kind of games more often than they can lose them. So. It's going to be an interesting game. Yeah, if we had to pick, you know, which team is more comfortable winning ugly, I think we all would agree, even, you know, even just taking out being Ravens fans, taking that out of it. I think we all would agree that the Ravens, they have consistently found ways to win ugly this year and throughout their history. Yeah. That's kind of just consistently who they've been. Uh, so I'm, I'm with you on that. Let me let me kick that that back though to Chris about uh, Ramsey or Mark Andrews to get his thought. I got I have mine. I'm like hell yeah, uh, that's what I would do. But Chris, I mean, <laughs> yeah, what would you do? Uh, I, I don't know the the Rams uh, scheme this year under Raheem Morris. I, I know it's probably a little bit different, uh, or maybe a lot different than it was under Brandon Staley. I know with Brandon Staley, he didn't really do a lot of that in terms of matching up certain guys and following and shadowing guys, but. Um, I don't know if Raheem has, has maybe been, been doing more of that with Jalen, but even if he hasn't, I definitely would uh, against Andrews. What about you? Yeah, for sure. And uh, something uh, that I completely forgot about too is Holly Brown ha- Hollywood hasn't been practicing either because he's he's been down with a, a sickness, an illness. So there's a good chance that we might not have Hollywood suit up for this game. Um, so I think, yeah, that makes a ton of sense to put – Jalen on, on Andrews with the with the tear that Andrews has been on. He's clearly the the biggest threat uh, outside of Lamar when he's healthy that the Ravens have. So that that makes complete sense to do do that. Yeah, that was my thought. I was thinking about Hollywood too, and like if he's not able to go, um, at least in terms of your passing game, I'm thinking, well, I got a dude, and I believe my dude can shut down your dude, and so I'm gonna lock him up as much as I can all game long. And then these other guys, they're going to have to beat me. You know, I know Rashad Bateman's a first-round pick, respect him, but he's going to have to beat me. Um, you know, Tylen Wallace, our guy, James Prochet, you know, uh, Devin DuVernay, if he can go, I don't think he's practiced again this week either with, with his ankle. Yeah, I, I think he got one in. He got one in? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think so, yeah. The ghost of Sammy Watkins, all those dudes, man. <laughs> These dudes, they're gonna have to. I, I love you, Sammy, man. You're also a friend of the show. My bad. Uh, I'm, I'm just from from the Rams' perspective, you know, the defensive perspective. I'm just saying that, like, look, these guys are gonna have to beat me in the passing game because I'm not gonna let Mark Andrews beat. Me. That's just not gonna happen. So for me, it's like, and this is this is not new to Ravens fans. Obviously, on offense, they're gonna want to run the ball. Um, you know, as, as best as they can, because we talked about all those guys, whether it's Ramsey, whether it's Aaron Donald, whether it's Von Miller, whether it's Leonard Ford, we've mentioned all these guys. Uh, but I think if you can run the ball, you can kind of neutralize some of what those guys do best. I mean, they're pass rushers. I mean, AD can do a little bit of everything. Um, 
you know, as well as Vaughn too. But you know, if you had to pick and say, well, you know, what do you what do you think is if, if there is a weakness or an area where you say, hey, they're not as good at this thing as they are the other thing. To me, they're pass rushers first and foremost. And so if I can, you know, keep them in situations where they're not rushing the passer as much, uh, I probably like my chances a little bit better there. So you want to try to run the ball, I think, as much as you can. And then, you know, obviously you're going to have to throw it sometimes. So both you guys mentioned the quick passing game. And I think doing some things on first down, uh, they've kind of done a little bit more this year in terms of the RPO game. I think we've seen them, you know, kind of use some different elements of that. Uh, throughout this year, I'd, I'd probably continue to roll some of that out on first down. And of course, AD inside is going to see all of the all of the uh, the tricks, you know, the whams, the traps, draws. He's he screens. Oh, yeah. See all of that stuff inside. <laughs> Just <laughs> those guys down. So I think they'll have a good plan because I think they they generally have a good plan every week um, for you know how they want to go into these games and, and what they want to try to do on offense and defense. And then it's just a matter of executing on the field in game. So. Um, you know, I like their chances just because I've seen it all year. Team fights. So I, I don't I don't go into any game just because I'm a Ravens fan thinking, oh, they got a chance to beat anybody just because I'm biased. Yeah, I have that bias, but I also have seen there's evidence, you know, that anybody, Ravens fan or not, can see that they compete in every game, unless it's the Bengals. So <laughs> <laughs> and, and also the also, the, the O-line, they've been they've been play, playing pretty well together when you consider the, yeah. the patchwork that's been going on and then the injury to the Macari when he, he came back. Macari, I'm sorry, that he came back from. They've been they've been performing a, a little bit better than than they had as, as, part, uh, as far as the midpoint uh, part of the season was where they were just all discombobulated. They have been. And you've had to, to shift some different pieces in during that time as well. You got Ben Cleveland who started the last two games. Looks like he's probably going to start this week too because I don't think Powers got to practice in this week. Tyree Phillips is on IR, um, so he's he's not an option at this point. Obviously, we best wishes out to him for a speedy recovery. You know, a guy that I think we all like because uh, we see the talent, we see the ability, and he's just just had a rough start in terms of injuries and being moved around not really being able to kind of settle in at one spot and get a lot of, get a lot of experience there. So, um, you know, speedy recovery out to Tyree, but yeah, you're right. This old line, it, it has been playing back. I think a guy that really has caught my eye over the last couple is, is Kevin Zeitler. And I know I, I've been a little critical of him earlier in the season, but I think he really has kind of, you know, stepped it up a notch um, for me. You know, you look P PFF and other places, they'll say he's been like that all season. Not gonna get into a PFF bashing situation here, um, <laughs> but I think in particular uh, he he's really been playing well um, down the stretch here over the last few games. So uh, it's gonna be a challenge. Every week is a challenge, like John Harbaugh says. Every week is a challenge. But uh, you know we we talked about all the names on that Rams defense. So uh, whatever the, the bigger the more significant word for challenges, that's that's what this week is gonna be. Um, I think before we we close this show out, we wanted to we wanted to go a little X Files on you guys. Get our conspiracy theory hats on because I think there's some stuff that's out there in the fan base on the Twitter streets uh, when it comes to the Ravens coordinators. It used to just be G Row. It was just the Greg Roman conspiracy, but now there might also be. Boyne Martindale conspiracy theory going out there. It was hard enough to keep up with the, with the, the Greg Roman conspiracy. <laughs> he is somehow calling a different offense intentionally to 
hold Lamar back and depress his contract value. Um, that's that's a pretty deep one, but you know it's out there. And then wink, I got wink. I shouldn't necessarily say it's a conspiracy. I think Kerry, you kind of framed it well earlier where you said, you know, his aggressive style and nature had had kind of always been praised by the fan base, but now it's seen as negative. He's too aggressive. You know, so <laughs> maybe not a conspiracy with Wink, just, you know, a little bit of a of the, of the opinion shifting on him right? in the opinion polls. You know, things, things are going the opposite way for Wink uh, as of late. And, of course, Giro, we know everything is his fault all the time. So, Carrie, I'll start with you on this. The Ravens coordinators, are they uh, are they embattled? What, what, what's the word that we should use here? Or is this just uh, fan base narrative street uh, gone wild? Yeah, it's tough to say, man. I'm embattled is a good word. I, it's one of those things I, I I wonder how much of that is is legitimate. Um, for I'll speak for Giro first. You know, I'm I'm not here to try to talk anybody into um, liking Giro or having issues with them or you know whatever the case may be. Um, I think some of the the struggles that they had before Lamar went out. Are, are warranted to have questions. I think even when they produced at times, you've seen kind of peaks and valleys in the consistency of the offense, uh, drive in and drive out. And I think those are, you know, legitimate gripes. But all I'm saying is, if we're going to call it on one side, you have to call it on the other side. He's had productive games with Huntley. He's had productive game, uh, productive game. With Josh Johnson last week, I mean, offensively, they done enough, they did enough to win a football game last week. It just so happens that, you know, you come in with the deepest cornerback group in all of the NFL, and, like, literally all those guys are gone by, <laughs> by, this, by last week. So, um, you know, the talent disparity was just so much that, you know, it's too much for anybody that, to ask for. But offensively, don't get it twisted. They did enough to win an NFL game last week. And all of those things, the the growth of a Prochet, of a Tylen Wallace, you know, of, of Bateman coming back, you know, all of these things we see, Devontae Freeman, um, you know, the the shift that happened in his season, all these things, uh, you know, that um, Chris just talked about it and, and you just talked about it, Mike, the stabilizing of the offensive line, the patchwork offensive line in that, all these things, Ravens fans and everybody can see them with their own eyes, but we don't give great Roman any credit for any of it. And it's not just magic beans or, you know, stuff that's, you know, happening. This is, you see the adjustments being made that are leading to uh, more success in all these different um, avenues. So uh, my thing is, you know, whatever, regardless of what you think of him, you know, people have yet to kind of give me another office of coordinator recommendation. I think Chris asked for one too and, and didn't get anything. Um, you know, my thing on that front is, yeah, criticize him when it's, when it's warranted, but also give him his credit when it's due, man. You know, this team has made a lot of strides and um, a lot of things that you can kind of look forward to, uh, you know, as far as 2022 and going forward, um, as far as him as, as the coordinator. Uh, I don't think me personally, I made a, a final declaration on whether I think that, uh, you know, I'm banging the table for him to be the OC in 2022. Uh, but I also don't have an issue with it if he is. I think he's done a lot of good things, um, uh, even though there's, you know, obviously questions out there. 
And then my thing with Wink is we just met those corners <laughs> on Sunday. So, I mean, what are we supposed to do? You can say, um, you know, Burrow is so good uh, against man coverage. Uh, why didn't you play more zone? Again, these guys just got there. You know, he's the guy that has to look at these guys all week and kind of formulate what they can and can't handle. Obviously, he put a game plan in place uh, that he felt like would work to the best of the ability of the team with what he had at the time. And it didn't work. And it didn't work because the talent disparity was so high. But I think Wink has shown enough over his years um, as the coordinator uh, to be given a little bit more a leeway than I think he's getting, you know, within the fan base. Now, are there times where, you know, there's a blitz call or something that, that you know, maybe teeters on a little bit too much? Sure, but, you know, no coordinator is going to be perfect. You know, every coordinator you look at, they're going to look back at their play sheet at the end of the day, and there's probably going to be some calls they want back. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm not – I'm not in a rush to to run a guy out of the door that has had the kind of success he's had uh, over the years with his team. And you can see the impact of that talent disparity. That's just to touch on that game a little bit, the defensive side of it. He did all those things. That's the thing. It's not like, you know, people were saying, well, why don't you try this? Or why didn't he do this? Or why didn't he do that? He tried them all. He played zone, Joe Burrow diced it up. He played man, Joe Burrow diced it up. He brought pressure, Joe Burrow diced it up. I mean, he literally tried to do everything that he could uh, in terms of answers to say, okay, well, this isn't working. Let's try that. Okay, that's not working. Let's try this next thing. And it just didn't matter. And sometimes when the when the talent disparity is as significant as it was, that's what happens. It doesn't matter what you call. Um, it, it's just going to be difficult uh, to to stop a guy who is in the zone in the way that he was with those receivers and, and Joe Mixon. You know, it just is what it is. Um Chris, before I kick it over to you, just quick, we got a little injury report update here uh, from the Ravens. So some things that I think that we thought were going to happen, they kind of just confirmed. Uh, ben Powers is out. We talked about that. Anthony Averett is out. We did not talk about that, but he, he had missed practice all week, and he's confirmed out. And Odafe Owe is doubtful. He didn't practice this week either. Um, everybody else is listening is questionable. Um, so – you know, for the people who weren't out uh, just because of rest, like Calais was out for rest. Um, I think Levine, he had a knee, but I think it's kind of rest-related too. And um, Latavius Murray. So some of those guys, you know, they don't they don't give them a, a status because they weren't technically on the injury report for an injury. Um, but you know, uh, Hollywood questionable, Lamar questionable. Of course, they're going to leave all that stuff up in the air, but. Um, now let me switch it over to you, Chris, back on this question with the coordinators. I, I agree with Kerry on Giro. I mean, I think if you look at the last couple of games, it'd be hard to say that, um, you know, that he, he hasn't done what he can do from a play caller standpoint. He can't go out there and play the game. But what he can do from a play caller standpoint to give Huntley, to give Josh Johnson an opportunity to be successful um, and, you know, we talked about Mark Andrews. He's been on tear all year, but particularly these last three games, man, it's got like almost 400 yards, five TDs. I forget how many catches. And people will talk about game script. Yeah, they were down, so they got to throw a little bit more. So, of course, you're going to put up numbers. But you made the point to me earlier, like, okay, yeah, game script, that's a factor, but you still got to make those plays. 
just because you're down and you have to throw the ball doesn't mean that you're going to complete passes. <laughs> you can yep. still throw incompletes. You can still throw interceptions. And they really, by and large, haven't, haven't done that. I know Josh Johnson threw one late in the Bengals game. But other than that, they really hadn't done that. So to me, I'm looking at Giro like, if anything, this might actually help his case uh, with, with Lamar being out. Uh, and, and for Wink, I, I've never had a problem with the aggressiveness um, each year. People talk about, hey, maybe he needs to dial the blitzes back a little bit more and go with more four-man rushes. And each year, I'm like, you know what? Blitz more. (laughs) (laughs) But that's just my own personal thing. I'm a big fan of all of that. But let me get your thoughts, Chris. What do you think? Should we run these guys up out of here? Or uh, (laughs) is it a little overblown? Uh, I I mean, just this fan base, they just, no matter what G-Roll does, they're going to hate him. So he, he's never going to get the credit that he deserves. Um, no matter what kind of success it is, it's always going to be because of Lamar. It's going to be or some other factor. Like, you know, now, you know, he's like you said, Mike, there's a conspiracy that he's calling a completely different offense for Tyler Huntley and Josh Johnson than he is for Lamar. But what those people don't take into account is one you're calling plays for a generational QB. Like, that's what it is. He's a generational QB. So, of course, you're going to mix in some deeper shots when you have Lamar back there. And that's just how Lamar is. That's been one of the knocks on him this year is that he's been trying to play too much hero ball and trying to hold out for the long pass, for the deep shots, instead of just taking what the defense gives to him. But that's just who Lamar is. And does it always work? No, but... He's a 24-year-old quarterback right now. And that's just part of the maturation. Tom Brady, he had to go through his progression when he was younger. You know, uh, Russell Wilson had to do the same. Drew Brees had to do the same. This is going to come with time and with reps and in-game experience. It's going to come. But for right now, this is who Lamar is. And he'll learn. it'll It'll come to him. And he's he's more willing to make those those reads and and hold on to the ball a little bit more because he knows he has that leeway. Tyler Huntley doesn't have that leeway. Tyler Huntley's like, no, I need to be a robot right now. Take my my three my three step drop and get the ball out quickly, because he does not have the leeway that Lamar has. And we even saw that Lamar's first year. Lamar's first year, he was taking care of the ball and he was being very very disciplined with where he needed to go with the ball. But now with that freedom where your coaching staff and your team believes in you and they trust you to make the right plays, you he can be a little bit freer than he was, say, in 2019 as far as just being able to take more shots and being more daring with some of the throws that he makes. And Giro is calling those plays for him because he believes in his quarterback. Now, at the time that Lamar was playing and he was getting beat up in the middle of the year, that was also the time where we people lose the context of this, where the offensive line was just in shambles. The, it it yeah. was a mess. Giro can't do anything about the offensive line being in shambles. He could try to, you know, do, call some quick hitters. He could try to run game. But if the guys in front have no cohesion, lacking talent, lacking health, there's nothing that any offensive coordinator can do about that and right now we're probably seeing one of the best stretches from the offensive line it just happens to be that 
Lamar isn't back there playing now. So I think what what the fan base should take into account is what Giro has done was so little over these last two years. Because people forget last year was horrible as far as COVID and, and health. It was a complete mess. And I don't care what offensive coordinator you have. He's not going to fix that. Now, let's say if we go into 2022, everybody's healthy and the offense just isn't working, then I'm I'm willing to look at, at Giro. And I'm like, hey, you know, at first there was no, no uh, weapons for Lamar. Then the offensive line has been in shambles the last two years. Now if you got a talented wide receiver group, one of the best tight ends in the league, you got Lamar Jackson, and if your offensive line comes back healthy and fixed, now there's no excuses. Then you can come and attack Giro. But until that happens, I think this man has done a phenomenal job over the last two seasons. I don't even want to talk about 2019, but I want to talk about the last two seasons where they faced adversity on the roster. That has been the most impressive part is seeing what he's been able to do with such a depleted roster over the last two years. And then the with Wink, you know, you guys both made a great point with Wink is, yeah, sometimes, you know, there, there could be those situations like in the Bears game where you're like, yeah, you probably don't want to, you know, send that that blitz in that situation. You know, you're, you're going to get that. But you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Because when it works, like it did in Cleveland when Mo, uh, when Mosley picked off Baker, then it's, you know, he's a genius. Oh, we love that aggressiveness. But then when it doesn't work, it's like, oh, man, you're too aggressive now. But I, I agree. I mean, no coordinator is going to be 100% perfect. And I mentioned this before we started recording, is that so many Ravens fans, they talk about Kyle Shanahan and what a great play caller he is and this and that. But then if you talk to 49er fans, they do not like how Kyle Shanahan runs his offense. They don't like it. The majority of them, they don't like it. They have a problem with him. So there's no perfect OC. There's no perfect play caller. There's going to be things you agree with, things you don't agree with. What I like to look at is let's look at the track record. Wink's track record, pretty damn good in Baltimore. Greg Roman's track record, pretty damn good in Baltimore. I'm willing to bet on that and go into 2022 and hope that these guys can be healthy, that the guys on the roster can be healthy so these coordinators can actually implement what they really, really want to do. Yeah, the health is such a critical point. And I know people will say, ah, that's making excuses. Everybody has to deal with injuries. And that's true. Everybody does. But obviously COVID has added a whole nother level of guys not being available than kind of just your standard injuries. And you talked about the last two seasons. Even if you exclude 2019, right, 14 and 2, first in the office, uh, first in the league in points, third in the league on defense and points allowed, even 2020, 11 of 5. They were seventh in points on offense and second in points allowed on defense. So Wink, just just looking at Wink's side, when Wink's got his guys, there ain't no problem, okay? We're second and we third in defense, points allowed, which to me, I mean, you can look at other stats, you can look at yards allowed, whatever, but the goal on defense is to not allow points. 
And if you're telling me that when guys are healthy, uh, the the defensive coordinator is going to have a second or third ranked uh, defense in terms of points allowed, I ain't got no problems. Okay, I ain't got no problem. Ain't no problem. <laughs> I'm good in that situation. The whole different situation here in 2021 in terms of health and availability. Um, the only other thing I'll say about Greg Roman, because I think we we hit that thing all the way around from all different angles. Um, in terms of growth and development, you mentioned some of the guys, some of the other quarterbacks who had to go through that phase. We saw Patrick Mahomes go through earlier this year. Um, it it's it's also it's not just a quarterback. It's also his pass catchers. And Chuck Clark made a really interesting point about that this week when somebody asked him specifically about Mark Andrews. He said, what makes it so difficult to guard Mark Andrews? What makes him so good? And Chuck had to even laugh a little bit because, you know, in his mind, he knows more than even we do about how true what he said was. But he said, because he can do whatever. He literally gets to do whatever. Right. He said there'll be a route called and he gets to put his own little twist, his own little artistic angle on the on the route. And if you read between the lines with that, um, and particularly if you go back and you, you chart plays and you can you compare it to, you know, kind of some of the old 49ers concepts that G-Row used to run, because they're still running a ton of those, pretty much all of them, just maybe, you know, a little different formations, motions, whatever, but the core concepts are all kind of there. If you go back and compare those plays and the tight end routes on those plays, at times, Mark Andrews is doing whatever the hell he wants out there. And so <laughs> you have to factor that in to your quarterback's growth and development too, because you say, okay, well, Lamar's back there holding the ball. He's, he's waiting for something to develop downfield. Well, maybe he's expecting this man to be in a certain place and he done gone somewhere else. And you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> over there. And so now you've got to figure out, okay, I, I got to make something shake here. I got to, I got to move. I got to extend the play because my man is, is out there YOLO in it. And uh, maybe I didn't quite expect him to go that far in terms of, you know, cause I'm, I'm obviously these are things that they practice. You know, it's not just you just going to roll out there and just straight street ball it. But I think there are times in games where it's just straight street ball. And you're just like, oh, I know he's going to do that. <laughs> and you just have to kind of make something happen. Um, and the offensive line, that, that's, that's the second point that I wanted to say. Um, you know, because people will say, well, they don't call as much quick game stuff for Lamar as they do for Huntley. And I think that there's some truth to that. And you talked about some of the reasons possibly why, Chris. I mean, different guys, right, different quarterbacks. Tyler's good at things. Um, he has strengths and weaknesses, just like Lamar has strengths and weaknesses. So I think you're going to call plays to maximize that individual quarterback's strengths and weaknesses. It's not, it's not a can't do situation, right? Um, I, I like to use that analogy all the time about being left-handed or right-handed. I'm right-handed, but I can write with my left hand. It's not, a, I can't write with my left hand. It just doesn't look as good. It's not as legible, but I can do it. So it's not that Lamar can't execute the quick game. It's not that Huntley can't throw the ball down the field. It's just, you know, different strengths and different weaknesses. So um, where I was going with all of that in terms of the offensive line is when the offensive line is struggling, when you are having to shuffle guys in and out, um, some of these outlets that Lamar might have in terms of check down options, a lot of times they're helping out in pass protection. They're chipping. Maybe they're even having to stay in and they can't get out into a route. Maybe, you know, that's, that's the design of the play is that they're supposed to check and then, you know, get out into a route, but they either are delayed or they're not able to get out into the route at all because of how they're needing to, to, you know, stay in and help. So again, what's that going to do? That's going to force you to have to hold the ball as a quarterback, because you might be looking downfield initially and then realizing that that's not there. You eliminate that. So you want to look for these check downs and they're either not out yet 
um, <laughs> or they don't get out at all. And so, you know, it can make it look like, oh, man, quarterback, you know, he's just a poor decision maker. He's not seeing the field clearly. Sure, I think some of that is a factor, but you have to look at all these other things. They're all a part of it, and that's what makes it such a, a layered conversation is because people want one answer. They want the magic bullet, right? Yep. And, and I, I think – sorry. I, I think something else that just hit me when you said that was people are like, why is Patrick Ricard getting so much playing time over Rashad Bateman? And it's like, do you guys forget how bad the offensive line was? Like, he had to stay in to help. No Nick Boyle for most of the season. He was damn near the de facto sixth offensive line. So what do you want to do? You got a, a an offensive line that is struggling and can't pass protect to save their lives or run block. What do you want to do? You just want to have five wide receiver sets? Like, is that what you want to do? But then if you do that, then you're going to complain. Why do we have all these wide receivers on the field when we know that our offensive line can block? You know, so it's you can't have it both ways. It can't be damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah, and even if you do go and spread out, and you want to go four and five wide and try to get the ball out quick, because you know some people will say that. Some people will say, okay, well, if you're struggling with pass protection, then spread out and try to get the ball out quick. Okay, defenses are not stupid. They understand that that's what you want to do. They'll just play off. We saw Miami do that, and they basically faked a ton of pressure. They didn't actually bring as much cover zero blitz as people talked, you know, as people think. We talked about that way back when. They actually really didn't bring more than five or six on any given play. And oftentimes it was four or five, not really five or six, but it looked like a bunch of guys were coming and they were drop guys out. But if you looked at the depth of the corners and the safeties, they were all sitting right around the sticks, right? Regardless of the down and distance. And so they're like, yeah, you want to get the ball out quick? Cool. We'll just play back and then we'll run up and tackle you. So that all sounds great about getting the ball out quick, spreading out, whatever. Number one, they're going to have to be quick throws because we just mentioned if you spread out, now you've probably only got five-man pass pro, right? You're not keeping a tight end or a fullback or a back end. Maybe you have six if you keep a back end. But you got to get the ball out quick, right, because your offensive line has been struggling. So you don't have time for longer developing routes down the field. But – if you're going to get the ball out quick, then what I just said comes into play. We'll just play off, and then we'll rally and make the tackle. Three downs, you're off the field. Boom, no problem. So what do you try to do? Well, you have to help those guys. And this is no shade to those guys, but you can look at Villanueva or whether it was sometimes Macari or whether it was whoever was filling in at right tackle. You certainly saw it more with Tyree Phillips. They had to give those guys chip help on almost every obvious passing yeah. situation. Like somebody had to come over there and chip the rusher to that side before they could release on a route. And a lot of times that was Patrick Ricard because are you you're going to have uh, James Prochet and those guys do that kind of thing 10, 15 times a game? It's not that they're not willing to, but that ain't the body type to be going to be killed. <laughs> And chipping Trey Hendrickson and TJ Wad. <laughs> this is not funny. I mean, can they do it? Yeah, we've seen Tyler. We know Tyler can do it. We know those guys can do it. But, you know, you, you, those guys get paid to catch the ball. And so you, you probably don't want to ask them to do that 10 or 15 times a game. So you have a guy like Ricard who really is more built to do that. And you say, well, he shouldn't be on the field as much. Okay, fine. Take him off the field, but then understand the constraint that you're putting yourself in. Yeah, you can spread out. Yeah, you can throw the ball. But it's going to be what we've seen, right? I might have just answered my own question when I, I asked it earlier. Why you see so much more quick game now? That might just be it. Because in the passing game, that's all we can protect for. 
you can't protect long enough to get the ball down. <laughs> so that's why you're seeing so much quick game. Um, it's at least a factor. I'm not because again, I don't I don't believe in these one magic bullet answers. There's, there's usually multiple answers, but I think that's at least one factor for why you're seeing more of that uh, quarterback play, receiver play, offensive line, all of it. Right, all of it is factors. So uh, I think we're all in agreement that sometimes this stuff gets a little overblown. And t- things tend to get magnified even more when you're losing, right? These issues can kind of all kind of be floating around a little bit just under the surface. When you're winning games, you can kind of mask it a little bit. And then when you're losing, and particularly when you're losing consecutive games, it all kind of gets pushed to the surface and, and boils up and boils over. And it becomes the dominant narrative. It's gone from these little side issues Maybe it's a little bit of this. Maybe it's a little bit of that. So now this is it. This is what it is. This is why this is happening. <laughs> you know, so that's that's what happens when you lose games. Um, that's yeah. just- and what it is, Mike, is, you know, we are impatient society just generally anyway. And that's not different for football fans. But, you know, we we can sit and talk about all these different things and issues and stuff like that. And I just keep coming back to it, man. Maybe all the Ravens just need is time health you know third and long so is a lot harder to get to when you got uh jk Dobbins and gus edwards in that backfield <laughs> you know that's that's how you stay out of third and long is having those guys and having a ronnie stanley as your bookend at, at left tackle um you know so some of these things will be healed you know with time and health you know you got a team that has a aggressive creative gm he's got a boatload of picks and you can use those picks in a multitude of different ways. You know, I know this isn't something that people want to hear because they want it right now. You know, they want all the answers. They want everything fixed right this second. But sometimes, man, you just got to look at it and say, hey, we can do it. We'll do the best we can do with what we got. But, you know, sometimes you kind of got to wait. Not saying they're waving the white flag, but as far as the the complete upside of this team, this is more of a 2022 thing. And, you know, you get some of these guys back and then see what we have and then make more of an accurate assessment and judgment on on what the coordinators are doing, you know, when they have a kind of full debt to work with. Yeah. Hey, this is a truism on offense and defense, but you'll hear, you'll hear people say that the best third down offense or defense is a first down offense and defense. And so, (laughs) was it was uh it was a lot different story when you could line up on first down and turn around and hand the ball off to those guys you just mentioned and pick up five six seven sometimes 10 yard you know chunks uh on first down and i mean they're almost they're scoring at almost a a full touchdown less per game than they were last year they were just about 29.3 29.4 points per game last year and this year they're down to 23 23.7, 23.7, something like that. So it's almost a full touchdown less per game. And when you think about the things that they're missing and the issues on the offensive line, I mean, it, it kind of makes sense. You know, you can say, hey, the the, the wide receiving core uh, is probably a little more fortified than it was last year. And that's true. But we all know um, that without pass protection and without a running game, as much as people want to say running backs don't matter, without pass protection and without a running game, um, unless you've got one of those unicorn type quarterbacks, and even those guys, you know, can't carry an offense um, 
for 16, 17 games. They're going to have games where they have down games. As much as, Pat, you know, as great as Patrick Mahomes was, I talked about him. He had his little, um, you know, stretch earlier in the season that, you know, they were struggling. As great as he is, he is a unicorn type guy. Lamar is a unicorn type guy. But, you know, it's a team game for a reason. As, as great as one individual player can be and as much as they can do, they still cannot do everything. And there's a tipping point where if they got a certain, you know, enough level of talent around them, okay, maybe they can they can kind of keep it all all the all the balls in the air, juggling all the balls. But once you you go beyond that tipping point, it doesn't matter who you are. It gets hard to keep all the balls in the air. So yeah, I, I, I and and my couple of things. Trevor Lawrence has one touchdown pass since Halloween. Matt Rule just compared himself to Jay-Z and said it could take seven years. Count your blessings, Ravens fans. It could be a whole lot worse. A whole lot worse. <laughs> I mean, he's going to be there for seven years. He got another – I mean, I don't know what his contract is. Maybe he got a Gruden contract. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't foresee uh, Shai Khan or any NFL owner um, kind of waiting that long. That's for sure. So, yeah. It is one of those things, man. We've been so spoiled here over these last two years and really even the second half of 2018 because that was damn magic, too. I mean, that team was going yeah. nowhere uh, at the time that Joe got hurt. <laughs> so <laughs> it really has been it really has been magical. And when, you know, the, the rug is kind of pulled from underneath you a little bit, then it's easy to start complaining and start pointing fingers. And that's the other thing that happens when you lose. Terrell Suggs used to say that all the time. You know, winning has many fathers, but losing is an orphan. You know, nobody nobody wants to take responsibility. Nobody wants to look at themselves. Not the team. I think the team does does a masterful job of that. All those guys always oh, yeah. look at themselves and say, "Hey, it's about what I can do. It ain't about what nobody else to the left of me or to the right of me. It's about what I can do to help the team win." But the fan base, we have a tendency to want to start pointing fingers. It's this guy's fault. It's this coach's fault. It's this. It's that. Because we want them to win. So I get it. I'm not trying to be down on any fan who does that. Obviously, if you're a fan, you want the team to win. And that's where that's coming from. Because you've seen it. You know what they're capable of. But you also have to be realistic in that and know that this is not, you know, that iteration of the team. When you're talking about, oh, I know how good they are. I know what they can do. This ain't them. This is a different <laughs> this is a different iteration of that team. And, and they have to find their own path. You know, and they and they have been. They've been trying. So, two games left. Uh, I always have to remind myself of that because the season, you know, it goes by fast. You know, I can remember when we were back in training camp, and we were excited yeah. about the potential for this season because of of what we thought was going to be available. You know, this was this was the year. We were like, all right, we are loaded for bear, baby. Here we go. And uh, you know, that rug can get pulled up out of you quick. That's that's just. That's life. That's not just NFL. That's that's life in general. That's uh, you know, uh, one of my favorite songs, The Stakes is High. Life can get all up in your ass, baby. You better work it out. <laughs> <laughs> that is the truth. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I think we've touched on everything. We can probably go ahead and land this thing, unless either one of you guys want to hit on anything else before we get out of here. I'm, I'm good. I think we hit everything. Okay. Anybody want to check that out? De La Soul, stakes is high, going back in the day. As I told my man Chris, anything that has happened after the mid-2000s musically, I am totally unaware of it. But before that, <laughs> I'm your guy. I, I, we got that up all day, every day. 
Uh, so yeah, check that out if you're into that. Uh, but as always, we appreciate everybody for tapping in with us. We know we got a, a, a loyal group of listeners, of viewers out there, and we appreciate y'all. Another year, man. It's it's hard to believe we've been doing this for four years, three years, three, four years. <laughs> I should know, but I, I don't. I think it's been at least three, maybe four. I think Something. three. I think three. Yeah. 2018? 29th, 2019. We didn't start in 2018? No. No, I think we started 2019. Damn. See, don't, don't ask the oldest guy in the room. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was a long-winded way of, of just wanting to thank everybody who's, who's been with us during this, this journey and, and is still with us. And, you know, any, any new listeners and new viewers, hey, welcome. Welcome aboard. Uh, and, and, and we're happy to have you here. So always, 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 please like, subscribe, download, share out there on all the different socials because uh, we want to continue to grow this thing. We want to continue to reach out to the people that we know want to hear this kind of content. We know who you are and you know who we are. So we want to connect with those people. So everybody who listens is already in that group and they know the same thing. So, you know, y'all like, share, subscribe. That helps us reach out to those other people and connect with them and bring them into the fold. Uh, so just, I'm just thank, thankful for these two guys, Carrie and Chris, always, uh, you know, helping me to to be a better person. Forget all the football Raven stuff, but just to try to become a better man, a better father, better husband. Uh, the stuff that really matters, you know, the real real stuff. So I thank you, uh, both you guys. You know, we're recording here on on New Year's Eve earlier in the day so you know we can ready to roll into the deuce deuce about to get loose in the deuce deuce so i just want to thank everybody <laughs> for another year just you know man i'm just thankful i'm grateful to, to see another year and uh my family everybody to be healthy because this it's been rough two years we all know that uh with what's been going on in the world and now they talk about some damn flu rona that makes sense what is a flu rona are these combining words at this point? Keep, keep keep your doors locked, people. Keep your doors locked. Stay inside. <laughs> Stay inside. Somebody somebody tweeted today, like, look, even if you don't know, just assume that you got COVID and stay your ass in the house. Anyway, what a way to end the show. Hey, thanks everybody. <laughs> Get out of here. Y'all be good. And, uh, Catch you next time. On a whole new level. The rhythm is the bass and the bass is the treble. Chords, strings, we brings, melody, G-Funk. Where rhythm is life and life is rhythm. If you know like I know, you don't want to step to this. It's the G-Funk era, funked out with a gangster twist. If you smoke like I smoke, then you like every day. And if your ass is a buster, 213 will regulate.